in the Navy, they're taught the best way to fight a storm or a hurricane was just to move out to sea and anchor deep. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. There are times in our lives when we're caught in storms. Maybe someone listening is going through that right now. The best way to fight a storm is to anchor deep. Join us as we explore this year's theme and see how we have hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure in Christ. We hope you enjoy. All right, amen. Good morning, church. Good to see you all. Glad you're here with us today. If you're joining us online, we're glad you're on there as well. So we are uh, we're wrapping up our six-week series that was entitled Anchored in Red, and I, I hope this has been a good series for you all. I don't normally speak for Pastor Rob, and I certainly don't like it when he speaks for me, uh, but I'm going to speak for him today, especially since he's not in the room right now. Um, we both have really enjoyed this series personally. Uh, there's just something awesome about preaching through the Gospels, just about reading through the stories of Jesus, and so we, we're going to make it through the first six chapters of John today. As we, as we come to Easter, we're going to head back to the closing chapters of John, and so I'm hoping uh, later on in the year, to be able to talk Pastor Rob and us doing the middle section of the book of John. Uh, it's just such a great book. Hopefully you have enjoyed this series. And, and so as we come to John chapter 6, it's actually a packed chapter full of information. And there's no way that we can cover all of this in one sermon. And so I'm just going to skip some of it. So we're at the feeding of the 5,000 is in John chapter 6. Uh, that, other than the resurrection of Jesus, I'm pretty sure that is the only miracle that is found in all four of the Gospels, and we're not going to look at it today. Um, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about it other than, you know, as Jesus was feeding the 5,000, one of the things that we learned from the Gospel of Matthew is that right before doing this, Jesus had found out that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been put to death. And, and so as you read through this section of Scripture, it's very likely that Jesus was preaching and teaching with a bit of a heavy heart over what had happened to John the Baptist. And so we have a lot of scripture to look at today, so I hope you brought your reading glasses. And in first service when I said that, I realized I did not bring my reading glasses today. And so when I went to read my Bible without my glasses, like, man, that print is small. So I'm going to be using my sermon notes because I'm smart enough to put that in font number 16. So we're going to start in John chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 16, which you'll see up there on the screen. And it says, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. The next day, the crowd had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake, real, or the crowd that had stayed over there, realized that only one boat had been there, and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. And so after feeding the 5,000, Jesus puts his disciples into a boat and sends them on their way. 
And as we read in that passage, what does it say about the, about the lake there? It says, the winds were strong and the waters grew rough. Now, some of these guys that were following Jesus were fishermen. So they were probably used to that. But some of them were probably also desk jockeys. Okay, any desk jockeys in the room? Okay, I consider myself a desk jockey. Okay, I'm not a fisherman. And, and so I can imagine that the fishermen were probably a little bit, you know, whatever, and the rest of the guys were probably hurling over the side of the boat as the winds grew strong and the waters grew rough. And, and this picture of them out on this lake in this storm, I think is a perfect illustration for us in our lives. And what I want to tell you is this, Jesus wants to calm our fears. Jesus wants to calm our fears. Because you know what? We all face storms. We all face storms in our lives. And there are storms for all different kinds of reasons. Um, sometimes, sometimes we're caught in a storm because of our own choices. Right? Sometimes we're in storms because of our own disobedience. You give you guys find yourself in a storm because of your own choices? Because of your own disobedience? Unfortunately, I have found myself in many storms because of my poor choices. And so that's one of the reasons why sometimes we're in a storm. It's because of poor choices that we have made. Like think of Jonah. Okay, think of Jonah. God calls him to do something. What does he do? He runs. And so when he's in the belly of the whale, who does he have to blame? Nobody but himself. Now, we might still try to blame God, or we still might try to blame other people, but the reality is that happened to him because of his own disobedience. And so sometimes the storms in our lives come about because of our own disobedience. But sometimes we're caught in a storm that isn't from our own disobedience, but sometimes those storms come about because, you know what, we live in a fallen world. Okay, sometimes those storms come about because we live in a fallen world. People around us make choices that affect us. Like I, you could think, you read through the Bible. There's all kinds of people throughout Scripture that suffered because of someone else's choices. Okay? And so that's still the same way today. Sometimes we're facing a storm and it's our own, our own poor choices. And then sometimes we're in a storm because of somebody else. Because of what somebody else did. But the last reason I think of, of why we sometimes face storms is this, is sometimes we're caught in a storm, and it's actually a result of us being obedient to God. Like sometimes we face storms and we are exactly where God wants us to be. In this passage, the guys were in a boat, and the winds grew strong, and the water was rough, but they got in that boat because Jesus put them in that boat. You think Jesus didn't know what was going to happen? Jesus knew what was going to happen. And so sometimes we face those storms in our lives just because we are being obedient to God. I don't know if you know this or not, sometimes the world doesn't like us being obedient to God. And so sometimes those storms come. And so this morning, we are, we're in this room, and many of, you, many of you are fine. In your life, it's sunny in 72, Okay? Like that might describe your life today, sunny and 72. But some of you are facing storms. And I don't care this morning about how you got there, if it's because of your disobedience or because of somebody else's or because that's right where you're supposed to be. What I want you to understand is, you know what? Jesus wants to calm the storms in your life. 
as we go through those storms in our life, Jesus doesn't want us to go through them alone. We don't need to go through them alone. And so the reality is, you know what, as Christians, Jesus doesn't promise us that we're not going to have storms. Like if you came to Christ and someone told you, hey, listen, you become a Christian, you're not going to have problems anymore, that person lied to you. They sold you something that isn't true because even as Christians, we go through storms. But he promises us that he will be there with us as we deal with them. And so Jesus has sent this group out onto the water. Some of them experienced fishermen to go into the storm. And he sees their struggle and he heads out to help them. They might have been afraid of the water and of the storm. But I imagine they might have also been a little bit afraid as they saw Jesus walking on the water. Okay, imagine that in your own life. Just imagine, just for a second, put yourself in a boat on the water and imagine what you would feel like if, okay, this is a dangerous example, but imagine how scared you'd be if you saw Pastor Rob walking on water. Okay? All right, that was a bad example. He'd sink in a heartbeat. But anyway, as Jesus is coming to them, and as they're in their fears or dealing with this storm, Jesus says to them, it is I, don't be afraid. It is I, don't be afraid. And one commentator that I was reading this week said this. He says, when that happens, we can be sure that our Savior will pray for us, come to us, and deliver us. Christ is in heaven interceding for us, but we are in the midst of the storms of life trying to reach the shore. One day he will come for us, and we shall reach the port safely, the storms all past. As you and I, as we go through the storms of life, I can't, I wish I could promise you this, but I can't promise you that Jesus is always going to do something miraculous. I wish, I wish that was the case, but I can't promise that he's always going to do something miraculous. But I do know that we better make sure that we're inviting him into the boat, and that whatever happens, that we want Jesus with us and near us. He wants to calm our fears. And so if you're facing storms today, I, I want to give you um, some pieces of advice, I guess, some ideas on what to do. Um, and and what, I, what I really want to make clear is this. I don't want to trivialize any of your difficulties, any of your challenges, any of your storms. Like no matter how big or small I or others or even you might think about your storms, the reality is they're real and they're going on in your life. And so I want to encourage you as you face those storms um, to, to really think about these things. Because a lot of these storms are things we don't even have the power to change in ourselves. We don't have the ability to change it. We just have to endure it. And so I want to encourage you with three things that I think are really simple to say but they're not always easy to do. And so the first thing I want to encourage you to do is to pray about it. I want to encourage you to take those storms and pray about it. This ought to be our first response. I've told you guys this many times. I'm so ashamed that so often in the difficult times, prayer is not my first response. Okay? Sometimes I try to handle it, and then I realize how poorly I handled it, and maybe I should have prayed about it. Okay? Now... I have one good example here. Recently, I was dealing with a certain situation, and it was just something that was a real burden. And, um, and I'm really grateful to the Lord 
because it was a situation that I needed to talk to someone about something. I did not really want to do it, but I knew I needed to. And what I did is, fortunately for all of us involved, I prayed before I had that conversation. And so I was able to pray about it, to think through it with the Lord, and then have this conversation to where in the midst of that conversation, I think because of prayer and help with the Lord, I was able to remain calm and cool and not lose it. Because in my head, I wanted to lose it. Okay? But it was like, okay, Lord, help me. I am, I am certain that if I had had this conversation without praying about it, it would not have ended well. We need to pray about these things. Um, one of my favorite authors on prayer is a guy named E.M. Bounds. And he, he's an old guy, long gone. Uh, but he used to write these small little books on prayer. I like small little books. Okay, but then they put all of his books into one big book on prayer. And he wrote this about prayer, especially over the things that are causing us anxiety. He says, cares divide, distract, bewilder, and destroy unity, power, and quietness of mind. Cares are fatal to weak piety and are enfeebling to strong piety. Prayer over everything can quiet every distraction, hush every anxiety, and lift every care from care-enslaved lives and from care-bewildered hearts. That was true when you wrote it, and it's true today. Are you going through a storm today? You're going through difficult times. I'd encourage you to lay it down at Jesus' feet. I'd encourage you to lay it down before God in prayer. You know, one of the great things at our church is, you know, if you have one of those connection cards that Aaron asked you to fill out earlier, which really we'd like everybody to fill them out. Um, if you have something you'd like us to pray about, on the back you can just write that down. You could write down your prayer request, drop it in the offering, stand on your way out, and that prayer request will go to the staff and the prayer team. And so if you're like, hey, man, I've been praying about this, but I'm on my own here, why not have some other people come alongside you and lift these things up to prayer with you? Also, if you're here at church on Sunday mornings, before, or not before, after both of our services, there's someone in the prayer room that would love to pray with you. So if you're here today and you're going through a storm and you're like, man, I need someone to pray with me, there'll be someone in that prayer room. So welcome center, out the doors to the left, Prayer room, out the doors to the right. There'll be someone in there ready to pray with you. So not only do we need to pray about these things, but you know, we need to read about them. Okay, and where I want you to read is I want you to read your Bibles. All right? Because in Scripture is where we find God's will for our lives. In Scripture is where we find what God wants us to do and how he wants us to handle situations. Now, in our, in our world today, there's lots of issues that we deal with that are not directly mentioned in the Bible. But you know what? There are all kinds of principles in the Bible that can help us deal with every situation that we are facing today. So as you go through the storms of your life, and as you deal with different situations, do you know what God's word has to say about those things? Now I'm gonna tell you a little secret of mine. So on Mondays, um, <clears throat> I write a life group lesson for our life groups that meet on Wednesdays. And I found this really great website many years ago. Now, it doesn't write my lessons for me. I wish it did that. It doesn't. But I found this website that is so great for helping me find what the Bible says about different topics. And so it's a website. I don't know if it's going to be on. Oh, there it is. Okay. www.openbible.info. 
It's a great website. Now, I don't even type it in like that. I just go to Google, and I type in what the Bible says about, and I type in whatever subject I'm looking for. So I could be talking about what the Bible says about love, or what the Bible says about forgiveness, or what the Bible says about sin, or what the Bible says about anxiety, or what the Bible says about fear. And I love this website because it's not anybody's interpretation of God's word. You type that in, and all that comes up is scripture. And so as you read these scriptures, you can look for yourself and see what applies and what doesn't apply. And so in your life, if you're struggling and you want to know, hey, man, what does God say about whatever the subject is? That website is incredible. It can help you as you're trying to figure out and understand what God's word really says. Because we need to pray about these things, but we also need to be reading about it. What does God's word say about what's going on in my life? Because I don't know about you, my natural thoughts don't always fall in line with God's thoughts, okay? My natural thoughts don't always fall in line with God's thoughts, and so I need to be constantly reminded about what God says, about the way God wants me to handle different situations. And so in his word, we find encouragement and support and principles for how he wants us to deal with the storms. The last thing I want to encourage you with is this, is to talk about it. So I said to pray about it and read about it. I want to encourage you to talk about it. I put this verse in, um, in our life group lesson this week. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, where God says it's not good for man to be alone. And so if you know that verse in Genesis chapter 2, after it says it's not good for man to be alone, we read that God created Eve to be there with Adam. Okay, so we know that's the context of that verse but I think that verse is so important still for us today. God never intended for any of us to try to do this life on our own. As you were going through storms in your life, as you're facing situations in your life, God never intended for you to do it by yourself. We all need other people. We all need other people to encourage us, and sometimes we just need people to listen to us. You know, as a pastor, that's one of my, one of my greatest jobs is just to listen Okay, not great like I enjoy it, but like that great is like that's one of my biggest responsibilities is just to listen. Because sometimes people, don't, they don't need you to figure things out. They don't need you to tell them what they do. They just need someone to listen to them. And so I would encourage you this morning, if you're going through these storms and you're doing it all on your own, don't do it like that. Find someone to talk to, to share with, to battle the storms with you and to go through them together. All right, there's no chance we're getting through this whole chapter, but we're gonna try. All right, that's too small. All right, John 6, verse 25. It says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. That's a key verse, remember this verse. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Jesus wants to calm our fears, but what we need to understand is, you know, Jesus isn't interested in being our genie. You know, like, like we're often impressed with crowds and lots of people. Jesus is never impressed with a crowd because Jesus sees this crowd that's around him and he understands their motivation. He understands their heart. Their motives are not pure. Why are they with him? Because he just fed some people and they want to be fed. Like, like in that passage, they're asking him, what, what sign will you show us? And if I'm Jesus, I'm like, were you not here yesterday? Did you not see what I just did? They're asking for more. Why? Because that's all they were really there for. They weren't really there to see like what it is to follow him. They were just looking for a show. As I was reading this week, it said in the times of Jesus, Rome's formula for keeping the people happy was bread and circus. Feed them and entertain them and they'll stay out of trouble. And so the Romans had 93 days set aside each year to entertain the people. Now, as I read that during first service, it made me think about Friday night. Is anybody here Friday night? Okay, so Friday night we were here to, to honor and celebrate our volunteers at our church. And what did we do? We, we fed you some dessert and we entertained you. Okay, I was like, wow, that was kind of an ironic moment there. Okay, but Jesus wasn't and he isn't interested in being a sideshow. He says, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So this, is, this interaction is a reminder for us to check our hearts. Why are we following Jesus? What's our motivation for following Jesus? We can spend more time here, but I want us to, we have to get to verse 35. Because then it says, then Jesus declared... I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? I love passages where Jesus just calls people out on what they're thinking. And so in verse 43, he says, stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I'll raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one who has seen the Father except the one who is from God, only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. You know, as I read this passage, I'm constantly reminded, you know, we all have needs. We all have things that we think we need. 
But Jesus wants to meet the biggest need in our life, the biggest real need in our life. You know, so in this passage, and even earlier as the people were talking, they were talking about manna. And it's, a, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a pointing back to Exodus chapter 16. And, and so as the Israelites are, are leaving Egypt, there are several different times where they come to a different place and they begin to grumble. You know, like they don't have any, any water. And like, oh, couldn't we have died in Egypt? You know, and all this stuff. And, and when I read through the book of Exodus and I read their constant grumbling towards Moses and to the Lord, I'm constantly amazed at God's patience. Okay, God's patience with them, and also God's patience with me, and definitely with some of you, okay? But we're reminded of God's patience. But in Exodus chapter 16, they're grumbling about not having food, and they're like, weren't our pots full in Egypt? Like, they don't remember how much they'd been complaining while they were in Egypt. And so in Exodus chapter 16, God provides for them manna that they pick up every morning. Like, they don't have to do anything. They don't have to make it. They just gotta go outside and pick it up and he's provided for them every day. And so Jesus is referencing that. And he's talking about not, not just manna that they collect every morning, but he's saying, man, I am the bread of life. And he talks about them never being hungry or never being thirsty. And he's not talking about literally being physically hungry or physically thirsty, because some of you sitting here today, some of you are thirsty, and some of you are definitely hungry. Okay, like you're ready for lunch. Okay, so Jesus didn't say that we weren't going to hunger or thirst, like literally, but I think he's talking about spiritually. Like when we come to him, when he is the bread of life, and we allow him to nurture us and to feed us, earlier we read that he is the living water, he is the one that sustains us. He gives us what our biggest need is. What, what kind of bigger need could we have than water and bread to survive? Jesus wants to take care of the, of the biggest needs in our life, not the things that that maybe we think we need, but the things that we really do need, our biggest need, and that's our relationship with him. We're going to skip a couple of verses, but go to verse 60. Because it says, on hearing this, now Jesus had said some things that were difficult. He said, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one comes to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. This is one of the craziest verses in the Bible to me, that there were people that heard Jesus speak, that saw Jesus do amazing things, and yet still turned their back on him. Like, man, I just, I just that just blows me away, okay? Like, I, I'm stunned when people do it today, but I'm even more blown away that there were people that actually experienced Jesus what he said and what he did, and they turned their backs on him. And so Jesus responds to that by saying, looking at the 12, and he says, you don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12, Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so as I look at that, I go, you know, following Jesus isn't always easy. 
But where else are we going to go? Like when we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, why would we turn anywhere else? Why would we go anywhere else? And yet in the story we read of people that do that, that go away. I just love Peter's response. Lord, to whom or to where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So this morning, Jesus wants to calm our fears. But he isn't interested in being our genie where we just call on him when we have a need or want. He wants to be part of every day and every situation. He, he wants to meet our biggest needs, not, not necessarily the needs that we realize and even the ones that we're feeling, but, but what our biggest needs are. Those are the ones that he wants to meet. And following him isn't easy, but really where else would we go? Jesus holds the key to eternal life. In the scriptures it says that he is the light of the world, and today he's told us that he is the bread of life. Let's come to him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the encouragement that we find in it. And I thank you as I read through scripture. I thank you for your patience with your people. I thank you for your patience with me in my own life. Lord, I pray for those that are, that are here today, that are watching online, Lord, that are going through difficult storms and the waters are rough and the wind is blowing. Lord, I pray that you would help them to invite you into the boat, to come alongside them, to help them as they go through that storm. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Forget all my rebellion